Howdy, Dream Cowboys. Welcome to the third episode of the Fan Driven Westworld Recap Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 3, The Stray, directed by Neil Marshall and written by Daniel T. Thompson and Lisa Joy. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. We're three episodes in, I have no idea what's going on, and I'm loving every minute of it, James. Yeah, I think this episode really brought it back for me. It's more like the the episode one level masterpiece episode, I thought. I I don't know if episode three was a masterpiece. What I do know was that we got so much new information. Just, there was that one scene where Dr. Robert Ford was talking to Bernard and Bernard, because Bernard was checking in on him, and Bernard was like, what are your feelings? And Dr. Robert Ford was like, I'm going to give you every new fact that everyone, I hope everyone's taking notes. I was taking notes, and I could not type fast enough. I was like, gosh, this is all very specific, useful information. Yeah, that's true. We found out a lot of stuff today. In fact, there was one tiny detail that I picked up on that really, really got me excited, and we'll get into it. Oh my god, did you just tease something? I'm teasing it. I wonder if you picked up on it, man, because it was like, boom. There it was, then it was gone. Not only have you teased it, but now you've teased me. <laughs> so we should talk really briefly about the director of this episode. It's uh, Neil Marshall, who directed The Descent, which is an amazing horror movie. Have you seen it? I have not. Uh, it's really good. It's... uh. It's about spelunkers in underground caverns. It's very claustrophobic, dark. A little bit of monster movie in there. Really oh, that, good. That's why I haven't seen it. All of those things you just said were like, check off the list for things I don't like. Like, uh, scary. Ah, nah, not for me. Uh, claustrophobic. Wow, certainly not for me. So, you know, etc. But then he also directed two of the better episodes of Game of Thrones, I think. He directed Season 2, Episode 9, The Blackwater, which is the big battle in King's Landing. And then he also directed Season 4, Episode 9, Watchers on the Wall, which is the big battle at the Wall. So, yeah, uh, um, he's the, got some big battle credentials. For the human being who uh, directed Blackwater and Watchers on the Wall, there will be a forever pass. Watchers on the Wall is, oh my god, Watchers on the Wall is just the giants and the, and the wall. Uh, I... This is not a Game of Thrones podcast, but... Uh, yeah, but have you ever notice how they always have, like, the shit hits the fan episodes is episode 9 in Game of Thrones, always? Yeah, because they have to uh, sweep up in episode 10, like, gosh, so much stuff happened in 9, how do we wrap this up in 60 minutes? But, you know, Neil Marshall doesn't have to do that one, he has to do the one where, uh, I'm, I won't do any... This will not be spoilers for... You know, I'm not gonna spoil season 3 for you. Of Game of Thrones. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to let you get it to it, you know? Do you think we can expect that for Westworld 2, though? Do you think Episode 9 is going to be the episode of Season 1? I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. I bet it is. Not just be, not because, like, uh, narratively it might be good, but because it's been working so well for HBO, where why in that meeting wouldn't they be like, you know what episode you should make huge? 9. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Episode 3 begins with Bernard interviewing Dolores, 
he gifts her with a hardcover copy of Alice in Wonderland. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used to read this all the time with my son. And she's like, well, where's your son? And he's like, Man, you know where you're ever going to meet him. Throughout this entire scene, all I was thinking was, boy, Evan Rachel Wood is going to win an Emmy. She's good at this. Uh, her eyes the entire time were selling evil while her mouth was selling nice and and, and not going to kill everybody. And Bernard is a little wise. He knows that Dolores is very special. He keeps her with clothes on. You notice that? Everyone else? Yeah, that's, he's not a pervert. Yeah, I, I, what? Well, every other robot has no clothes on, and and that's the way that. But and then she's prying a little bit about her son, and he's like, "What? What? Why? Why did you ask about the my son?" And she's like, "Improving is what I do. It's it's a way to get to know more people." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, totally. That must, must be why that happened." What you said reminds me of an excellent Gary Busey quote. What, Gary that Busey is never a sentence a... I've ever heard in my entire life. Keep going. <laughs> Gary Busey says that an enemy will smile with his mouth, but not with his eyes. That's very true. Evan Rachel Wood is a lot like a lot of U.S. politicians. Just their eyes are so dead and their mouths are so not dead. The next day, Dolores wakes up and checks on the gun which she found and hides it away in her dresser. And then she has some nasty memories of the man in black assaulting her. She's surprised to find the gun at first, and then, in the middle of unwrapping it, she flashes back to the man in black in the farmhouse, where what we assume happened at first was that he was sexually abusing her, but now it seems that might not be the case. He might just be there for business. Yeah, it may have something to do with his weird search for the maze or something. We said that we had thought he didn't realize that Dolores was special, but maybe it seems like he does now. And either way, uh, this vision com- comes back to Dolores and she decides to put the gun back where it's supposed to be. So, you know, she can use it for later for something I'm sure that will be not awful. Chekhov would be so proud. He would. In town, William's walking around Sweetwater by himself, and it's funny because he's by himself, and this is the first time that he seems, like, really happy. (laughs) Yeah, like, he's sort of, he should have come here by himself in the first place, I think is what he's thinking, but I think he's also still not sold on this place. Uh, The $40,000 a day price tag is still looming, and and he's just not, he's not there. Clementine Pennyfeather, best name offers herself once more and he's like no thank you uh and then bill kind of envies a bounty hunter he sees finally taking somebody in and thinks to himself can i be one just as that's happening though the the outlaw who the bounty hunter had brought in goes ape shit kills the bounty hunter and takes clementine hostage will bill save clementine pennyfeather Well, that's funny, because he moves on the bounty hunter and draws his gun like he's about to save her, and then William gets shot, which for me was like, oh shit, it's only episode three, they're getting shot. Yeah, when when William got shot, I did not think he was dead. I was very interested to see why he fell down, because up until right now, all the times in which someone has gotten shot, or at least someone we believe to be a human being, uh... You know, example, the man in black, who when he got shot all those times, if you remember, he just kind of like 
brushed it off. Like, they just kind of, they fell off his body and it was just smoke. When William got shot, he fell to the ground. And so I was wondering, you know, what actual projectile hit him? Is it the same that was hitting the man in black? And if it is the same, why was the reaction different? Because, you know, Bill got hit. And when he got up, it looked like he had a pelt in his his chest. Like he was been playing paintball. Yeah, it did very much look like a paintball bruise. I wonder if it's just that, you know, he's not used to the park and being hit by something hard shocked him and caused him to bowl over. Whereas, you know, the gunslinger's been here for who, for God knows how long. And so when he gets hit by it, it's just, he's like, yeah, whatever. It hurts a little. I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's true. Or, you know, like, he's just, like, immortal and one of the main characters and definitely can't die. But he does have to have some consequence for getting shot. And whatever, you know, he saved, he saved Best's name. And that's all that really mattered. And now she is forever in his debt. Asks him to come inside one more time just to pay him off. And he's like, still no. I still am saying no, and I'm not sure. And the audience also is not sure why. Logan arrives on the scene. He's like, oh, man, you you popped your murder cherry. Great work. Yeah, and the hot guy who's the uh, the bounty hunter, the other bounty hunter who, you know, he's just hot guy. He thinks Bill can be a pro. And he's like, you know, I'm going to do this thing later. And maybe you should also, maybe you should also be there. Yeah, and he tells Logan, he's like, you know, we're paying so much money to be here. I want to go on my cowboy adventure. And Logan's like, but there's, you know, robo-prostitutes I want to visit and everything. And in some brief exposition, we find out that William is engaged to Logan's sister. So this is kind of like their their the hangover trip, but without a chubby fat guy for comedic value. Right. So this sounds like the bachelor party Logan wanted and Bill was like, no, I mean, that doesn't sound like the bachelor party that I want. I, I, I kind of want to just like. I want to go, like, get a burger and maybe do go-karts. And Logan was like, I got all this money. We're going to Westworld for three days. And then, uh, you know, Bill was like, okay. But, you know, now we understand why he's not coming on to Clementine Penny Featherbest name. He's engaged. He has a lady at home. And not just any lady. Logan's sister. So, but has Logan been, like, telling him to cheat on her the whole time? Yeah, he did it even in that scene. He's like, come on, man, you're going to want to get some robot strange in before you're tied down to my sister forever. Which? What? Lo- what? I don't, I, I, I do not get where Logan is coming from. I mean, he's just the sleazy dude. It's, I, I, he, he's playing sleazy dude very well. Down in the maze, Teresa catches up with Bernard and she wants to discuss Ford's new storyline. Apparently, the board is displeased she also brings up the malfunctions and she's mad at bernard who she thinks kind of brushed her off because apparently they are still investigating the malfunctions despite bernard saying it was handled Teresa never has good news she's always very concerned she's always talking about something that's going wrong and it's usually having to do with dr robert ford uh she's concerned ford is doing a bunch of weird shit she wants bernard to wrangle him in instead of like just say he's going to wrangle him in. Uh, and, you know, and then you can also feel like that's like sexual tension there between Bernard and Teresa. Now that we know that they're kind of secret lovers, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, you never lie to me when we're in bed. Only we're in the office. And then she turns around. Hmm. Like, like I, I swear those robots aren't going to kill us all. I'm trying my best. 
Elsie's interviewing one of the hosts from the episode one, like, nightmare scenario when Walter, the host, went crazy and shot everybody. And Bernard's kind of watching. Elsie explains that the hosts that Walter killed were all hosts that had killed him in previous storylines, almost like he was out for revenge. And the entire time, Walter was talking to some unseen person named Arnold. Yeah, Elsie is checking out this robot, who I believe is Sideburns, yes? It's the man with the sideburns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the guy who plays Trevor in Grand Theft Auto, is the way I know him. And the way I keep, like, when I hear his voice, it's the same voice for Trevor from Grand Theft Auto. So I just keep calling him Trevor, or Sideburns. Sideburns Trevor. Uh, now that I know that, I want him to have a bigger part. Yeah, Sideburns Trevor is pretty great. Um, so Sideburns Trevor was naked, and all I, I could think was, like, are the ladies going to get what they want in this moment? And is he going to hang dong? We've gotten a bunch of uh, ladies naked in the show, but not one man. And that's, like, something that Game of Thrones always gets criticized for. And will Westworld just, you know, step to the plate, if you will? But they didn't. There was no dong to be had. Uh, oh, yeah, guys. Dong Watch 2016. Stay here. Yeah. stay in Watch this space. Yeah, I was going to do a Teddy Flood death count, but because of recent added information, I don't think it's worth it. Uh, but Dong Count is on. I think we're, we got the Dong meter at zero currently, huh? It is zero, and that is just scarily low. But uh, also, <laughs> Elsie is, st- you know, asking about Arnold. She has a lot of questions. Uh, I feel like as the world will be burning down, she'll be asking questions about it. Yeah, and Bernard shuts her down, which goes to what you were saying last episode, where it's like, Elsie's like, hey, we might die for this, this, and that reason, and everyone's like, nah, Elsie, forget it. Forget it. And also, there's this stray robot out in the wilderness, and as you're telling us that this thing is going wrong and we're not believing you, we're gonna send you out into the dark. Good luck, I'm sure this won't be awful. Yeah, so Stubbs and Elsie head up the elevator to go to Westworld in search of some missing host who's not where he should be. And they kind of have little quippy dialogue, like, you know, maybe there's something going on there, too. Ashley only has one job, and it's to be like, robots aren't to be trusted. And Elsie only has another job, which is like, I think these robots are going insane. But also, Ashley Stubbs is so annoying. Also, I sort of like, I like his jawline because it's so perfect, but he's so annoying. You kind of, you get the feeling that these two might be like put together on a pretty constant basis as like episode duos. Will they or won't they? Or will they be killed by robots? Hopefully all of those things at the same time and in the same scene would be, for me, the best. Except for them being dead. I don't want that for a little while. Teddy... And uh, his bounty hunter lady friend are about town hunting some bounties. They shoot one guy up and then handcuff him to a post so they can go grab a drink at Maeve's saloon. When Maeve sees Teddy, she has the flashback of him being blown apart in the bar in episode two. And then also being cleaned up with all the other, like, hollowed out hosts down (laughs) in the maze. Yeah, I was about to say that you forgot the most important part where she saw... Teddy Flood's dead body in that vat where they were getting cleaned off by people with hoses. Uh, so, Teddy and his friend, his, the lady friend, who 
she seems like a ho- uh, not a host, right? She seems like a guest. Could be. I had the feeling that she was a host, and she's like Teddy's platonic bounty hunter friend. I'm not sure. If she is a newcomer, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, it's unclear, at least we can say. At she, this point in time, it is unclear, but now I'm, I'm thinking forward to the future of this episode, and it, it does become clear. Got it. And then um, Teddy is, like, in trouble with Maeve, as he always is when he walks in. Maeve's like, you're here again. Every time you come in here, you get shot up and die. But then, you know, she remembers his seeing his dead body, and, and she remembers the genocide, and, and she just, uh, you know, it really messes her up, as it should. Uh, and but all of this kind of gets cut off when Teddy looks to the left and, like he should on every day, sees his long-lost love. Yeah, Dolores is outside saddling the horse and dropping her can like she does every day. And he picks it up and makes his, like, don't mind me, just trying to be chivalrous line again. So the quest will start like always, except everything's not the same. So the question is, how will it be different this time? Teddy and Dolores are out on the prairie talking again. They they have a different conversation this time, though, where Dolores is asking about, like, life outside of Sweetwater and if he can take her away someday. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, I do want to take you away and start all over, but I've got this vague, nondescript, unfinished business I need to handle. Yeah, very, as we will find out, very purposely vague. She is pissed. Like, the music is kind of uplifting as he says, someday we'll go to the south and have the life of our dreams. That will happen someday. And we kind of get a crescendo, and then it cuts off because she's pissed. She's like, someday? Someday is something that people say when that's not even going to happen. How about today, idiot? But he still doesn't do it because it's not in his programming to do it. He still says no. And she's disappointed in him and she like walks away. They head on down to Dolores' farmhouse and again, the cows are out when they shouldn't be. They hear shots out at the farmhouse and, you know, we don't need to see this again. The bandits are attacking like they do every night. Fade to black, bang, bang, Dolores screams. Just like always. Although, the confrontation happens once more. You know, because the the quest in the hills, <laughs> where Teddy and Dolores were talking about their love once more, was completely different from what it has been in the past, you have to assume, coming up to this confrontation as it fades away to black, that this one might be different too. Yeah, everything seems to be going off the rails in unpredictable ways, so or at I least think a lot of what happens off screen either will be important and shown later, possibly. Yeah, at least anything having to do with Dolores is going off the rails. Down in the maze, Ford is interviewing Teddy personally. We find out that Teddy doesn't have a backstory because he doesn't really need one. His only purpose is to be, like, Dolores' chivalrous champion for black hats to shoot down. Which is sad. Yeah, so we come in on some Jurassic Park type shit. Uh, Something getting injected into something else that you really you will understand that it's an eye being created, which is so cool. That sequence where that eye was being made was really, really neat. And then you learn that those past transgressions everybody talks about for Teddy Flood are just, you know, hollow. There's actually nothing there. They never gave him a backstory. And Robert Ford is telling him all of this. Actually, he's quoting Shakespeare to him. 
he says, you've died a thousand times, which, uh, you know, I was like, well, who cares about a kill count now? You just told me he's died thousands of times, and he probably will die thousands of times more. I don't know if a kill count... Right, and meanwhile, we haven't seen his dong a single time. Not one dong, James, is what I'm talking about. He aspires to Dolores, he says, you know... uh, Ford asks him what his primary objectives are. You know, he aspires to Dolores. He says someday soon down the line, he might actually uh, deserve Dolores. And then Ford is like, no, you won't. You'll keep her here because that's your actual job. Your prime objective in, as has been and will always be keeping Dolores in this park. So, uh, you know, that means that they all know Dolores wants to leave, especially Dr. Robert Ford. He knows Dolores wants to leave, that it's in her being to get out, so much so that Teddy's only objective is to keep her there. Ford decides he's going to give him a backstory right now, and he's going to make it a part of his new event. So, in Teddy's new backstory, he remembers some murderous army officer known only as Wyatt. Yeah, Wyatt... Uh, was his, or we, we learn that later, actually, never mind. The next day, three men whose humanity is unclear are harassing Dolores, and Teddy stops them, because he's such a gentleman. Because it's his job. The two of them go out on the prairie where he's trying to teach her how to shoot, but she doesn't have the nerve to pull the trigger. Okay, so, yesterday... Dolores was asked or asked Teddy to leave. Teddy said no. And there's this possibility. It's not for sure. But there's this possibility that Dolores in that moment thought to him herself, Teddy is here to keep me here. And he's in the way. And uh, he's the one trapping me here. That's the reason I'm trapped. I don't know if she's there yet. But someday she's going to get there. And the day after that, where Ford and Teddy get to meet, and Ford uploads a bunch of new stuff to Teddy. The day after that, the first thing that happens, the first thing that Teddy does with Dolores, is teach her how to shoot a gun. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I, uh, I I just thought, like, gosh, that's the first thing? That doesn't seem, like, random at all. Seems like Dr. Robert Ford was like, okay, number one, teach her how to shoot a gun. That'll make things real Real interesting. Yeah, but if Dolores ever does want to be free, she's going to have to deal with Teddy at some point. That's very true, and and I don't know if she knows that yet. And I look forward to the moment where she realizes it. The, the sheriff rides up with Teddy's bounty hunter lady friend and then some other bounty hunters, and he's like, you know, that, that guy, Wyatt, is actually out in the wilderness around town taking out travelers and we need your insight on the situation to help us bring him down, Teddy. Yeah, and then whenever Teddy is asked about Wyatt, he he responds like, he came back from a mission with some strange ideas. Came back from putting down some natives. And uh, the strange ideas were strange. They were ideas that were, they were also strange. They were abnormal. <laughs> Some would say strange. Again, they would. I would say. Uh, Teddy would say that. He said it a lot. We see some hosts out on the prairie. They're sitting around a, a an animal on a spit, but the fire hasn't been started, and they're kind of fighting over who should go 
chop the firewood so they can get it started. And they all freeze because Stubbs and Elsie arrive on the scene. Apparently, the host they're tracking down was part of this group, and he was the only one who had security clearance to pick up an axe. So they got stuck in an infinite loop of never being able to cut firewood, so they could never move on with their storyline. Yeah, as as Ashley and Elsie walk up to the scene, the loop is happening, and it's just so funny for me to think that for three days, all of those robots have just been like, no, you cut the wood. It's obviously your job to cut the wood. Uh, no. I put the tents up. I'm not cutting the wood again, man. Um, the woodcutter, the guy who is it, only job it is to cut the, the wood, which is sad, uh, is not there. He has he has run away. And Ashley and Elsie, uh, at this point, as you can see, are the ones chasing him. So you can infer that the woodcutter is the stray. Right. And they mentioned early in this episode that the robots will talk around any kind of logical inconsistencies. So the fire never got started because none of them had the programming to chop the wood. And so they all just argued about who should be the one to chop it since none of them could come out and say, like, I, I, I actually I can't even lift the axe. Yeah, and it's interesting that the guy who kind of goes crazy was the one who had the clearance to use a weapon. I don't yeah, know. Interesting and uh, unfortunate. Yeah, just if you could have picked one of those guys to have gone crazy, he is not the one you wanted. They inspect his tent and they also find that he's been carving little wooden statues and he's also been etching into them constellation designs, which is a weird thing for a robot to do. Yeah, every time Elsie learns a new thing about this, she goes, huh, that's not right. And that's how you know as an audience that, huh, that's not right. Riding into the mountains, Teddy and the other bounty hunters discuss Wyatt. Apparently him and his gang wear the flesh of animals and their victims and their bones in their costumes, which is pretty weird. It sounds like something straight out of a video game, which I guess this is kind of what that is. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean, yeah, like, it sounds like, a weird DLC for Red Dead Redemption? Exactly. On the day or two days after Rockstar Games announces, or like pseudo announces Rock, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 or the remaster, by the way. Damn, I didn't know that. I'm going to play the shit out of that. Yeah, they just posted a, a picture of just like a red R. So people have inferred, you know? Yeah, join us next year for Red Dead Redemption podcast. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> as Teddy and friends are going up into the mountains, you know, what he had to do to leave Dolores, uh, he, yeah, he explains that Wyatt was his sergeant and friend before he was a bounty hunter. And then, you know, everything changed and Wyatt disappeared and came back with some, you guessed it, strange ideas. Claim the they land in- <laughs> Actually, hold on. <laughs> I wanted to do the voice once more, James. I'm going to do it. Claimed the land didn't belong to the natives or the settlers. It belonged to him. I think that was it worth it. It belonged to him and his his strange ideas. Because <laughs> he thinks he's a god. They come across a dead host tied to a tree where they get ambushed by Wyatt and his gang. 
there's actually two newcomers with them, like, on the quest, and they're both fucking terrified. Two or three newcomers. So there are two newcomers who you, like, they're immediately um, really scared. And then there also is that girl who we're not sure who is a newcomer or a host. She could very much, she, she could be a host. She could be, like, uh, uh, the, the lady who's charismatic. Because she is pretty charismatic. But um, also, that guy on the tree wasn't dead. The thing that startles them. And by the way, this is the first one of the episode. And it's like, there are like four of these in this one episode where the music will be, you know, coming up and crescendoing. And it's a slow zoom in. And then right on the slow zoom when something's supposed to happen, it doesn't. And the audience is like, whew, at least that thing didn't have. Oh, God. And because it happened right after the, like, to give you the misdirection. And the first one was the guy on the tree who's like rotten inside out wakes up and he's alive. Oh, gross. So the ambush is occurring. The first thing you think is, Oh my God, the guy on the tree is alive. And then he gets shot in the head. So you're like, Oh, well not anymore. Uh, and then the guests were like, we should have done that riverboat thing. The riverboat thing probably wouldn't have had this much awfulness inside of it. And then you thinking like, you know, maybe Teddy won't die this time. And Ford, Ford just had a meeting with him where he was like, Teddy, you deserve a backstory and you have to keep Dolores in line. But maybe Teddy won't die in this new backstory that Robert gave him specifically. And then you're like, nah, 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 he totally will. Bernard's trying to talk with Ford. Ford's overseeing some new hosts maybe for this event. One of the techs who's there tries to like cover up the nakedness of a host, which enrages Ford. Ford yells at the worker for treating the robot like it has feelings. And Bernard is like, I mean, yeah, let's maybe talk in private. Holy shoot. Shit, dude. You're losing your shit. Can we... Maybe we should go talk in private? Because Bernard is kind of freaked out. Because Bernard, you know, has Dolores clothed. He does the same thing that this worker is doing. And this worker is currently... Like, Ford, like, runs a scalpel across the host's face to prove that it's not real. Stop putting things... Do not treat the robots like they're real. And you can... Feel he's coming from a place of experience almost. Like he's being this intense because he knows the consequence of, you know, the other version of this. Right. And this comes up more to the the big differences between his philosophy and Ford's philosophy. In Bernard's mind, there's some humanity to the hosts, and in Ford's there's zero. They're just tools to tell my awesome story. Yeah, to tell God's awesome story. And then we rock into this scene where I could not type fast enough. There was so much new information. Right. Bernard accuses Ford of withholding information. He brings up the Walter malfunction. And he's like, he kept calling out for the name Arnold, which immediately when he hears that name, Ford changes his demeanor and kind of gets a little bit of a look of nostalgia on his face. He says that, you know, the first three years of Westworld, there were no guests. There were no board. It was just pure creation. We had to create the park. So, I mean, way back then, it was just me and my partner. Apparently, Dr. Robert Ford had a partner, a secret partner, which is like, it felt like a soap opera in the moment. You have a, is he a twin too? And then his name was Arnold. The host apparently began passing the Turing test after the first year. But Arnold wanted the real thing. He wanted to create consciousness. So he was not just happy with them passing the Turing test. He imagined consciousness within a robot as a pyramid. Memory, uh, improvisation, 
self-interest. And then there was this top of the pyramid that he never actually got to fill in. And he had a notion of what it might be. And it was sort of based on the idea that the primitive man believed his thoughts to be the voice of God. He, the primitive man apparently thought that all the things he was thinking was just God telling him what to do. So that's what Arnold was basing all of his logic on. But th- that was all said in rapid succession by Dr. Robert Ford. I was like, oh, come on. I can't, I can't type this fast. Right. So he tried to give them, he tried to have it so their programming would come through as if it was the voice of God talking to them. And it just drove the hosts insane. Yeah. What it turned out actually happened was you can't make hosts completely conscious. Also, the other group that thought that the gods thing was happening turned out just to be lunatics, which, you know, in a vacuum, I can see how you're like, yeah, just tell them it's God. I'm sure everything will be fine. And then like the first day of practice, everyone looks at each other like we didn't all think this was going to happen. But now that it is happening, we're all going to pretend like, uh, yeah, dude, of course this would happen. Eventually, Arnold, having become completely obsessed with the host's died of some kind of accident in the park, which which Ford does not elaborate on. He does, however, warn Bernard not to make the same mistakes that Arnold did. And Bernard's like, well, what makes you think I would do that? And he's like, well, you know, the fact that your son is dead might be like some kind of trigger for you. What the shit, dude? What do you do? Oh, my God. Dr. Robert Ford is a savage, dude. Okay, so a few things. Number one. Bernard is like, yeah, okay, well, some of them are remembering Arnold's code, man. Are you at all concerned about that? And then he's like, yeah, well, he he died in the park, which, uh, like you just said, he didn't elaborate on, which makes everyone go, you mean did he, though? Did he die in the park? Which he might have. But, you know, we all have to ask that question now. His personal life, apparently, was marked by tragedy, and his search for consciousness destroyed him. He only talked to the hosts at the end, and he saw something that wasn't there. We called it an accident, but... And then he trails off. You're like, Jesus Christ. But I'm assuming, you know, there was that critical failure 30 years ago. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Also... Yeah, I had that in my theory that this was this was that critical the- uh, error. Yeah, and then also, the CGI young Anthony Hopkins in this scene was so good. It was this... The CGI Anthony Hopkins and the eyeball being created prior to the Teddy Flood scene, were two amazing visuals from this episode. And then as we finish out this scene, Dr. Robert Ford says, I knew Arnold. He was careful. This definitely wasn't an accident. Dr. Robert Ford does not believe what happened to Arnold was an accident, and he also believes that what happened to Arnold has some unfinished business, some things that we do not know, which perhaps will feed to in some weird, crazy, wild conjecture theories later. So Bernard makes a video call to his ex-wife, assumably, since he's shacking up with Teresa now. And they talk about the passing of their son some long time ago, and how it still is deeply affecting both of them. Bernard says that even though he's in terrible pain, it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's what allows him to stay connected to his, his son. Which is pretty sad. Yeah, he says the pain is all he has left of him. His ex-wife being played by Gina Torres of uh, Firefly Flame. Fame. Uh, she plays Zoe in Firefly and Serenity. Uh, you get She's definitely his ex. You get the feeling that perhaps their son's death kind of tore their marriage apart. Which is like, 
also super sad, but it makes sense for Bernard. Like, your son dies, your marriage is torn apart, and now all you have is this place that you can't even leave. I bet that your brain and life would be really messed up. That same night, Stubbs and Elsie are still tracking the missing host. Elsie goes off the path for a minute to pee when she hears something weird close by, and she finds the missing host trapped, wedged between a couple of rocks, James Franco style. He is, he has, it feels like less than 147 hours, though, to live. In the after interview, Jonah Nolan was talking about this scene and, and talking about how he grew up on a cattle farm and sometimes one of them would just disappear and he wanted to discover or like explore the the ominous feeling of one just being gone and having to go find it. And you did. You got that really weird feeling of like, God, this is just a, a I'll say it, and I still needed a, thes- a thesaurus for this, sure is a disconcerting moment. Teddy and the Bounty Hunters close in on Wyatt's gang when they're suddenly attacked and the sheriff is killed. Wyatt's gang is wearing these really creepy, shadowy outfits, and Teddy tries to shoot them down, but his bullets are not effective. And uh, does his friend get away at this point? Yeah, I think, yeah, his friend gets away. As they're walking up, The uh, one of the guys has a lantern lit, and I'm like, if you know anything from any RPG or MMORPG, if you're in a PvP zone and you have a torch, you turn it off, idiot. It just makes it easy to find you, whatever. And then another misdirection happens, where a musical crescendo happens, and then you're like, oh no, something's about to happen. And then nothing. And then you wait a moment. And then bam! The natives are here! And then... The girl who I wrote down, the girl who must be a guest says in this moment, oh my fucking God, which was a really great line. Like my favorite, like kind of intro to character lines have had the F word in them, both this one and Lawrence's intro line from the last episode. But yeah, Teddy Flood and his friends do not look like they have a very good chance. Right. And I took this scene to mean that that girl is absolutely a newcomer. We haven't seen her before. She banged one of the robots in the saloon. And now she's the only one who, like, makes it out of this situation. I'm going to take a departure for one moment, just because we're in the episode where we've talked about, you know, hang and dong. A wonderful Reddit post was on this week where they were asking about our female guests in the park when they're having uh, sexual relations with the male hosts. Do the male hosts, you know, shoot anything out of their bodies? To make it seem like it's real. And and the first comment on that, which was, by the way, it was like the top thing on the Westworld Reddit for two days. And the first comment was, asking the hard questions. <laughs> yeah, can somebody, uh, can we get a Jonathan Nolan or Lisa Joy AMA so we can get this, this important question answered? Yeah. We must know the facts, Jonah. Stop keeping all the secrets from us. Back with Stubbs and Elsie. She's trying to call Bernard because they've got this host here and he's totally stuck and they're not sure what to do. Bernard is too busy interviewing Dolores again, so he isn't able to answer his phone. And did you see the phone, Ryan? Yeah, dude, Bernard is, it's all going to be Bernard's fault, man. Wait, wait, wait a second. Did you see the phone? Uh, uh was this the thing that it was yeah, yeah, the thing? It's, what? it's not an iPhone. It's not an Android. It's a Delos phone. It's Delos confirmed. Delos made the phone. Like so, in this in this instance, they're not only the people who perhaps own Westworld. They're like the Google. 
Or, or it's a special phone that they made all for their employees. Oh, that's, that's one true. way you could go. Or maybe it's just a cute little reference and Delos has nothing to do with the park and they're just a phone maker in this universe. I didn't catch that. Good job, James. I've been on the hunt. I just want to, I want to know two things. I want to know, is Delos the name of the company? And I want to know, what is the name of the park? In the movie, it was Western World. Are we still doing that? Or is it Westworld this time? Or is it like Robert Ford's old-fashioned fun time zone? (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's that one. That's the one I want. So yeah, Bernard is talking to Dolores because if you want her to destroy the world, you definitely have to keep talking to her. And she doesn't understand what he's talking about. He asks her, like, do you think there's two versions of you? One that wants to do something and one that keeps you there. And then she's like, no. And then pauses and then comes back with like, I think there's only one version of me. And when I discover who I really am, I'll be free. To which Bernard looks up like, what the fuck? And it was like, what prompted that response? And she's just like, oh, it's just what I say. Which is like, that's the thing you should say when you're trying to hold in your feelings and not tell Bernard that you're insane now. He asks her if if she'd rather be ignorant like the others. And he says, I think I've made a mistake. And then he goes on to what I think is the biggest reveal in the show so far. He basically spells out like, I invented AI sentience. And I gave it to Dolores. And he compares Dolores to his child. And so Robert Ford totally called it. He's like, yeah, your desire to bring life into the world is going to cause you to treat the the robots too much like humans. And he, in the end, decides like, okay, I'll leave you with your sentience. I won't change you back. I'll leave you the way you are because you seem like you enjoy it. Right. And I enjoy talking to you. And yeah. it's like, yeah, Bernard, you're going to enjoy that all the way to the apocalypse. Seriously, dude. Like... Bernard, you're fucking up, man. Dr. Robert Ford knows, dude. You know, everybody has been like, Dr. Robert Ford's insane. He's the one who's the real problem here. But Dr. Robert Ford, earlier in this episode, had that monologue about how robots aren't real and stop putting clothes on the robots. You cannot treat robots this way. That is what happened to Arnold. That's what happened, the downfall, the critical failure 30 years ago. You know how you know repeat the past? You just like know it and then don't repeat it. That's how you do it. And... So Bernard is doing everything wrong. He has given Dolores the 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 sight, you know, basically created um, AI within her. She is absolutely taking it uh, to heart and going insane. And that's obvious to literally everybody. Not, I mean, not in the park, but everybody in the audience and not to Bernard. And it's all because his son died. So fucking Dr. Robert Ford got it right. When he was being a savage to Bernard earlier, and it was like, whoa, I don't want you to mess up, you know, just because your son's super dead. And Bernard's like, whoa, dude. But that's exactly what's happening. Dr. Robert Ford called it 100%. The last thing he says to her, though, is, you know, you'll stay normal for now, though. You won't abandon your loop, will you? She's like, no, of course not. Of course not. Why would she say yes? Oh, my God, Bernard. You're fucking all this up. Back in town, Dolores asks one of the other bounty hunters about Teddy. And he's like, well... If Teddy's lucky, he's dead. If he's unlucky, he's probably being skinned and eaten alive. Still has to learn that Teddy's dead every day. Still hurts her every time. Really just twisting the knife. She rides back to her home again. The cattle are out. Shots up at the farmhouse, except this time she's alone. Counters the bandits, who, and she uses her past memories, and she kind of harnesses her hatred for the man in black to kill the bandit who's trying to, you know, molest her this time. Sideburns Trevor. Defend- Sorry, say that again? 
Sideburns Trevor. Oh, it is Sideburns Trevor. Great. Yeah. Yeah. When she arrives at the farm, you can see her hesitate. In her head, she figures out that this is different. And you, like, her eyes are like, this might have happened before, but it's not been this way. And then she hears the shot and that kind of, you know, jolts her out of it. She gets up, eventually gets dragged to the farmhouse, like always, for so Sideburns Trevor could do something awful to her. She has this weird, like, flash. It's not flashback because it's happening, but, like, instead of Trevor, Sideburns Trevor, she sees the man in black all of a sudden, which gives her, like, the power. Well, that and, you know, somebody whispering, kill him. Like, she's, like, Voldemort, you know, or he cannot be named, was perhaps whispering that to Harry Potter when... Like, kill him now! And then she's like, okay, okay, yeah, sure. And then, you know, shoots him dead. She goes up to the farmhouse. She's not able to save her parents. They die like they're supposed to. In front of her. dying like she's supposed to, she gets on her horse and runs away, abandoning her loop, which she just told Bernard she wasn't going to do. Oh, crazy. She lied? Okay, so she had future sight, right? Well, I think what happened is she's remembering all the different times the same exact thing happened. And she's able to completely use that as a future site. Yeah. Like, she just knew what was about to happen, so she left. She is becoming all-powerful. She's going to she know... She is Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. That's correct. Except for, you know, give Bill Murray... Or make her as crazy as Bill Murray was at the end of Groundhog Day, before the climax, and give her a gun! Stubbs and... Elsie attempt to recover the broken host alone because they can't contact Bernard. Stubbs is like, well, I know what we can do. <laughs> and he just starts decapitating the uh, the host to bring just his head in for further examination. For Ashley's character, that makes perfect sense. He's 100% against robots. This one's going insane. So I'm just going to cut his head off because that's my deal. <laughs> and then as he's cutting his head off, and he mentions the stars, because as he's cutting his head off, he tells Elsie, like, maybe look up for the stars for this one. I've been talking about stars this whole time. Better mention it right now, while this woodcarver, who's obsessed with stars, is here. I'm sure nothing will bad. Well, oh, no, he's woken! And the robot turns on. You're like, oh, wow. Again, another weird crescendo misdirection. And then he hits Ashley Stubbs off. Ashley Stubbs gets off. Elsie is now being slightly attacked as the man is, you know, the woodcutter is climbing up the rocks, getting closer and closer to himself. He picks up a rock about to crush Elsie's head. And then he crushes his own head. Yeah. And not right away. He's got to take a few whacks at it, which was really disconcerting. Someone I know might say, I would say that it's me. So yeah, he had to think about it, and then he kills himself. And it reminded me of the Butter Robot from Rick and Morty, when the Butter Robot learns that his entire existence is to just bring the butter, and then is sad about it. Except now, the woodcutter, I think, maybe perhaps realized his only existence was cutting wood. And instead of killing anybody else, he chose death. So William and Logan are out in the wilderness on their bounty hunter quest. Logan is really upset. He's like, ugh, $40,000 a day to jerk myself off in the wilderness. He said that exactly. I really like that line. I like Logan more and more. But William's actually having a pretty good time, despite, you know, Logan being there bitching. And I want to be on- I'm going to be honest with you. I, like, And this is- I'm not lying to you at all. 
I was thinking here right when we saw them and they were doing having this little conversation. I was like, ah, oh, this is a bro's night out. The only thing that could ruin this is if, like, Dolores showed up or something. Right, and then she immediately does. She She walks in. The two of them are pretty confused, and she immediately faints into William's arms. William is so fudged. There's no way he can get out of this one. He's just being dragged in, and we see it happening live. When Dolores came out of the woods, I went, oh boy, this is... I like William. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. And you know a way to have something bad happen to you right now? Get ingratiated into Dolores' life. And that's the end of the episode, and I have to say, episode three might be my favorite. And maybe a lot of the credit does go to Neil Marshall, who I'm now realizing I'm a fan of, because I really like the episodes of Game of Thrones he's directed. I really like The Descent, and I love episode three of Westworld. I thought it was great. It's definitely not my favorite. The pilot, it's my second favorite. I will, I would rate it out of the first three episodes. I'd rate it the pilot, then this one, then the second episode. As we exit this episode, an amazing orchestral musical track comes up. And yeah, I, I, I liked this episode a lot. It was just, we got so much information and so many things happened. It's just hard to like, I, I do not know what episode or like season two of this show will be. You know? Right. And if it is going to be like a mini series type deal, maybe they are really only going to go 10 episodes and this has all just been messing with our heads. That would be an interesting development too, wouldn't it? Where it's like, oh, they, we never said, we never said it was going to go however many seasons. What if that's the way it is? What if this is a 10 part mini series and we don't know and that's the twist? That'd be nuts. If I had to guess, I would say that this is not going to be an eight year long seasons. Uh, this perhaps would be like, four to six just because things are happening so fast like uh, did you watch the preview for the next episode i have not I've, i haven't been watching any of the previews i want to keep myself pure oh so do you not want me to tell you about it no go ahead during the on the next Westworld segment the first thing they show is bernard talking to dolores about the maze and he says the maze is a test that i would like you to try so this kind of puts a a weird damper on your theory that the entire downstairs is the maze. Oh, I look like a dummy. And I think perhaps the maze is just the ultimate Turing test that Arnold or Dr. Robert Ford put together. It is the one where if you actually truly pass it, it means that... Or This is just my guess or my thought. That if you actually truly pass it, that it means you actually have consciousness. And Bernard believes he has created consciousness within Dolores. So... You know, what's the next step? Put her in the maze. Mm, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I had a theory that Arnold did what Bernard is doing, gave sentience to some robots, thought that it would make them love him or something, and then they immediately murdered him. And I think that's what happened to Arnold, and I think Bernard is going down the same path. Yeah, and do you think it has anything to do with, like, the buried chapel from last episode? Which, by the way, it kind of felt like it was in the middle of nowhere, but now what I think is, like, maybe it's a whole town. Maybe it's, like, the first town of Westworld from 30 years ago that all burned down. Because, I mean, it burned down, and I take that away just because the chapel is black. Assumably it was a fire, maybe. Like, the whole first town burned down like w during the first critical failure. That's my new idea for what maybe is is that has anything to do with the chapel. And then there is this other theory on the internets where Arnold is the man in black and 
The maze is his search for consciousness for the hosts. And is that why he's a VIP? But in that case, like, does everybody know Arnold's the man in black? And like Dr. Robert Ford doesn't? I don't know. That that and that that one's out there. Right. And here's a theory I had. Maybe the weird symbol, which is apparently on the inside of the host's scalp, that's a clue left behind by Arnold that he before dying he put that in the the, the design for what he wanted to be three D printed for the robots to eventually find and use to gain their freedom or something. Or another theory, which is maybe Arnold figured out at the end of his life that the last thing that had to happen for consciousness to be real was that he had to give a part of himself to a robot. So perhaps Arnold killed himself in order to give actual consciousness and and then, you know, and to try to make something a robot self-aware. And then also, I have a question for you. Whose voice do you think it was? Who said kill them to Dolores? Do you think it was Arnold? Do you think it was the man in black? Do you think it was Bernard? Like, whose voice was in her head? Yeah, that's a tough one. We know that she is the oldest of all the hosts. So, it, so many people it could be. It could be something from a completely different lifetime or storyline that she was once a part of. Or it could be the man in black is, like, grooming her or something. Yeah, right. I mean... So, I I don't know. There's a whole lot. I do think the maze is the final Turing test. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm as wrong. uh, uh, Just equally as wrong as you were. Yeah, sorry, everybody. I'll never say the maze in context with the the labyrinthian laboratories ever again. Yeah. Feel sad. Feel sad about that. Actually, I wouldn't feel sad about any of this. We're three episodes in, and there are so many theories to go around at this point. Uh, you know, like, just throw them at the wall. All of them have, like, something to them, and they make uh, people think about the show. And I think it's what's going to be, be, like, the best part about this show is that, and it's, like, one of the best parts of Game of Thrones, but people didn't start doing it until a little bit into the series, where they're like, hey, can we all just start talking amongst ourselves about what we think is happening? I think it's going to be fun. And that's happening right from the beginning of Westworld. And it's going really well. I love all the online theories. I love, you know, there was that, the theory of uh, William being within a different timeline. And like, but although we, people believe that one got debunked last night, like, and it's just, it's really fun for people to be arguing about something that is fiction. Right. And that leads itself to the fact that it's all very well written, that there are all these different possibilities that are all in play. It's uh, a little like Lost in that for every question they answer, they add 10. And then can we talk a little bit about a theory that, uh, or not a theory, but just an idea that Bernard brought up while talking about, oh, hold on, (laughs) Siri thought I was talking to her, that (laughs) Siri, that entire thing, (laughs) that entire paragraph that I had just said. It was put into Siri, and then Siri's response was, I don't know what you're talking about. See, the robots are already taken over, guys. That's pretty cute. But yeah, Bernard was talking about bicameralism, which is, can, will, will you allow me to just, like, quote Wikipedia right now? I but, have no idea what you're talking about, so I need the Wikipedia Oh, quote. really? Yeah, Bernard was talking about bicameralism, the philosophy of two-chamberness, it's a hypothesis in psychology that argues that the human mind once assumed a state in which cognitive functions were divided between one part of the brain, which appears to be speaking, and a second part which listens and obeys. So it's a bicameral mind. Bernard like mentions that 
when talking to Dr. Robert Ford. I think before Dr. Robert Ford was like, yeah, by the way, your son's dead. Remember that? <laughs> Although, he, you know, as we found out, Dr. Robert Ford is right. And Bernard is messing up. But they're introducing some, like, some heavy stuff. And they're not sugarcoating it. They're, like, giving it right to the audience. And being like, whatever, you know, let's confuse them. Let's give them a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it makes you think, like, what is something we're supposed to remember? And what is something that's a red herring, you know? I There has to be misdirection in the show. There has to be details that are meant to feel like they're significant, but they're not. Uh, assumably, to make it go for an extended period of time, right? Which also just brings up the question again, how long is this show going to be? Because that matters so much. If you guys out there have any crazy theories, tweet us at WestworldRyan, or you could email us at thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you've got something crazy. We'll read it on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Yep, uh, and uh, hang out on our Twitter, at uh, WestworldRyan, while the episodes are happening, too. I try to, while the episode's going on, I, I try to live tweet it. Some of my takeaway tweets last night, I mean, uh, I, mean I, was, I was pretty on point. Really detailed stuff here. First one is, um, she remembers, uh-oh, hashtag Westworld. So, uh, grade A, 100% tweet right there. And then the second one, Remember that one scene where Dr. Robert Ford said so many new things in a fact in a row and now my head is still spinning? Hashtag Westworld. And I just want to say again, we're so happy with uh, the response we've been getting. The listenership has been so high this uh, these past two episodes. And really just thanks again for listening, everyone who is following us on Twitter, anyone who rates us on iTunes or uh, follows us on the podcast app. We just want to say thanks. And, you know, we're we're committed to staying here. As long as this show goes, two seasons or eight seasons. Thank you so much for everybody who's who's really liked it. Thank you especially to that one guy on iTunes who hates us. Uh, I really appreciate that guy. And yeah, well, uh, I doubt he's listening again. But yeah, thanks yeah. for your feedback. We're gonna take that on board. We we are really gonna take it in and uh, and work on ourselves. So join us next week for our recap of episode four entitled Dissonance Theory. And tweet us any crazy theories you have so we can read them on the show for you. Talk to me on the internet. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the West World Podcast. Didn't even mention about that, like, that Blood Arroyo thing, the, the, that phrase from last time, the, the man in black and how snake lays its eggs. Didn't even, or Mrs. Face is a snake tattoo. Forgot to mention that. West World Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.